Rob Bell is a best-selling author, international teacher, and highly sought-after public speaker. His books include What We Talk About When We Talk About God, Velvet Elvis, and Drops Like Stars. At age 28, he founded Mars Hill Bible Church in Michigan, and under his leadership, it was one of the fastest-growing churches in America. In 2011, he was profiled in Time Magazine as one of their 100 most influential people. Rob was featured on Oprah's 2014 Life You Want Tour and has spoken at events all over the world. He and his wife, Kristen, have three children, and they currently live in Los Angeles, California. Hi, I'm Ashton Gustafson, and this is Let the Music Play. But all great movement begins with a disruption when suddenly realized it doesn't have to be like this. It could change. And that despair is actually a spiritual disease. All right, guys, uh, welcome back to another episode of Let the Music Play. I am so excited. Um, Today we have Rob Bell joining us. This is the guy that brought us Velvet Elvis, Everything is Spiritual, Everything is Spiritual 2 that I went to this summer, uh, The Robcast, Numa, New York Times bestseller, and Time Magazine in 2011, one of the world's top 100 most influential people. I don't know how much more we could get into this bio, but Rob, welcome to Let the Music Play. Great to be with you. Man, um, I have admired your work for so many years, and I'm super excited to have you on here and share uh, you and your message with the listeners of Let the Music Play. Um, You got a new book coming out called How to Be Here. I do. Coming out next week. Coming Coming out next week. March 8th, I believe, is the release date. Yes. And how many books now you have? I mean, you've got a ton. Seven, eight, nine, ten? Yeah, somewhere in there. <laughs> a lot of them. Um, and so, what inspired you? I mean, what what ticked inside of you to write "How to Be Here"? When uh, I was thirty, so the summer of two thousand, I was water skiing. I was wakeboarding. I was doing backflips, and I hit my head on the water. I kept falling, right? And I got a closed head injury. Uh, like a concussion and I didn't know who I was and I uh, after going they took me to the hospital and then, and then they took me home and I got a tour of my life like I was like my wife my house um, they brought my kids <laughs> into the room I know it was unreal uh, hey Rob here's your children I, let's introduce them to you that's what it was like and I I saw everything as it is, well, wow. but my brain—it's like your brain is trying to just plug back in the basics. Yeah. So my brain didn't have energy to think about the future, which is where worry and anxiety comes from. Right. And my brain didn't have energy to think about the past, which is where regret is. Yeah. And so my brain could only be present in the moment, and the present moment wasn't just enough. The the present was overwhelming. Wow. It, uh, Kristen made me a burrito, and I remember being able to taste and identify all of the spices individually. Wow. Like, I was only right here in the moment. And at the time, I was like everybody, returning emails, going to meetings, 
uh, stressed, moving too fast, calendar full, go, 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 work, yeah. uh, strategy, network, yeah. accomplish things, to-do list, multitask. Yeah. And it was like tasting another way to be in the world. Wow. Where the, the present is enough. And yeah. it took probably a week for the effects of the closed head injury to wear off. But it, uh, but I was like, I don't know how to just be present. <laughs> I was never, I was taught how to work hard. I was taught how to strategize. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. like all of us in the modern world, I was taught how to get good grades and then get a good internship and then like how to climb, yeah. how to achieve, how to get stuff done. But I wasn't taught. It's like a whole set of muscles. No doubt or techniques or skills that I simply, or awareness that I simply didn't have. So in some ways, the book is what I've learned over the past 15 years Yeah. about how to not feel like you're standing at a distance from your own life. Hmm. Or maybe many people talk about how time is moving too fast. Yeah. Everything's just flying by. Well, are there ways to slow it down mm-hmm. so that you don't feel like everything is moving too fast. Right. And uh, the book is sort of um, what I've learned so far. That's beautiful. I know that um, I kind of, I had one of those moments a handful of years ago uh, where it was just go, 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 and finally had like this adrenal fatigue burnout. I think you've spoken of the same type yep. thing before. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. And, and I always say that finally when I turned off both of my cell phones and shut the blog down and told everyone at the office, hey, we're going to, I'm just turning it off for a week. Um, the the words that laid over me, I didn't hear anything audible, but it was, Ashton, make your days more and more about less and less. Um, That's and, good, yeah. And, and, in do- yeah, yeah. and in doing that, um, it was it was like, yeah, you you let go of this anxiety of tomorrow. You let go of the shame and regret of yesterday. And then you have this this now, and the future always comes in the now, and you can fully be present in it. It's beautiful. Yep. Wow. Yep. So if if the reader's there, um, I mean, and I normally I've read the book already, so the book isn't out yet. <laughs> um, so we could kind of riff <laughs> off some of those pages. But so some of the, I mean, the major takeaways, I take it, are you going to kind of walk us through um, practices or techniques or, or uh, I guess, awareness of how to interact and be present with the now? I mean, what, what are some of those goals that you have for the reader? Actually... Uh, for many people, the moment you start talking about presence or being here, for many people that uh, conjures up images of um, disengagement. So you're sitting mm-hmm. on a cushion somewhere, you're out in nature, you're meditating quietly with candles or music or something. But this book is about how to be here in the midst of like laundry and email and going to meetings. So I begin with creation and how for many people, the world is a fixed established already created place. And then what you do is you go out into it and you find your place somewhere in it. Uh, But in the book, I talk about another understanding of the world, which is, that the world is unfinished mm. and that you take part in the ongoing creation of the world. That's good. And that you are creating your life. 
and you have more power to create your life than you realize. And the moment you talk like that, people rightfully so push back and say, yeah, but you don't understand this horrible thing happened to me or this thing came my way that I didn't create. It just, it just happened. But you think about cancer foundations are generally started by somebody who lost a loved one to cancer. Yeah. And recovery groups are generally led by people who have struggled with addiction. So whatever it is that came your way is another opportunity to create something out of even that. Mm. And what the modern world has done for so many people is give us more options, more technology, more possibilities than ever. And yet the number of people that you meet who, I can't do that, and I can't do that, and I can't do that because I'm working, because I have to pay the bills, because I have to. Well, what if you lived in a smaller house? Right. What if you had less bills? What if you moved and lived somewhere else? And what I kept noticing is how many people, the modern world with all of its luxuries and conveniences and time-saving devices, has actually, for many people, created a disempowerment, a sense of passive resignation to this is just how it is but all great movement begins with a disruption when suddenly you realize it doesn't have to be like this it could change and that despair is actually a spiritual disease despair is a spiritual disease in which you come to believe that tomorrow will simply be a repeat of today. And the great liberation or the great disruption is when you realize that tomorrow doesn't have to be a repeat of today. Mm. So I sort of start at a much more foundational level with how we think about creation. That's beautiful. And and in a sense, I mean, I I, I take it you may, and I know you've spoken on this before, but as as we become co-creators with God, um, and and the beauty that happens when you take you take back ownership of your life, um, you know. And I always I always love how in Genesis he said, you know, the um, let us make them in our image. And so you know, this triune, uh, this Trinity makes things that make things. And I think some of us that that are out there making things, um, it's like you just when you take ownership of your life beautiful things happen and you're 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 fully here and the blame game ends and and you lose regret and you quit being anxious about tomorrow. Yes, well said. Yeah. And for for many people just maybe identifying one step to take. Yeah. Uh, and that all of the biggest things that happen in life generally begin because there was one obvious next thing in front of you to do and it probably involved some element of fear and risk yeah otherwise if it didn't everybody would do it yeah um and that oftentimes people have some image of this giant thing they wish their life was and it leaves them sort of catatonic and paralyzed because they don't even know where to start right when there's usually one next step that they can take and you take that step and it often creates all new possibilities that may even lead to a second step. Yeah. We, one of the guy, last guys I had on the podcast was Jay Papazan. He wrote this book called the one thing. Um, and the question he poses over and over and over in the book is what's the one thing that you could do such that by doing it, 
everything else would be easier or unnecessary. Um, ah, that's and, good. And so, that's it, so good. it's always like, yeah, we're, we're, we're looking at a hundred dominoes and the hundredth domino is, well, I want to do X, but we're, we, you know, we forget about the first domino that has to fall. And it's exactly what you're saying. X, absolutely. Yeah. Well said. That's beautiful. Um, so you're, you're going to be hitting the road and I know you love to spice things up when you hit the road and do things a little bit differently. Uh, from listening to the Robcast, it sounds like you're going to be showing up to cities Fridays and Saturdays. I think book signings on Fridays, gathering people on Saturdays, and it's going to be a circle. And you're going to meander through the circle. And I can, I can, <laughs> yes. I can only imagine that it's going to be this beautiful, whimsical, transcendent time that you create space for people to uh, interact with themselves, with other people, uh, with the divine, and so forth. Absolutely. I'm actually trying to deconstruct the tour thing and turn it into like a big living room. That's awesome. So, uh, yeah, chairs in the round on a flat floor, and I'll uh, sort of start with the ideas in the book, and then we'll go farther. And I absolutely love the interaction. I love it when people ask questions, and the, the weirder the better, the funnier the better, yeah. and then inevitably we'll all end up surfing some sort of wave together right right and uh yeah oh my word and each city i always always leave like i swear i got more out of that than they did that was sure <laughs> grace upon grace as you say it yep yep <laughs> well tulsa will be the closest for me so i hope i can get up there uh, okay, good. And uh, and join the circle. That'll be a blast. I'll see you in Tulsa. I can't. That's a pretty good line right there. I'll see, I'll you, see you in Tulsa. Sounds like a good country song. Um, so uh, I want to riff a minute. For me, the the book that rattled my cage the most that you ever wrote was what we talk about when we talk about God. Um, oh, interesting. And far away. And you had the same. See, I told we we shook hands in Dallas. Uh, before your show this summer. Um, and so I, I came before the show, and, and there was a little meet and greet. Um, and and you you kind of, in that gathering, you were like, yeah, that was the hardest book I've ever had to write. Um, and I think you wrote it all on note cards. Is that right? Was oh, that that oh, book? Uh, Drops Like Stars, I wrote Drops Like hand. Stars, I mean. Um, um, but, yeah, no, what we talk about, we talk about God was like, uh, at one point it was like six or 700 three-by-five cards. That somehow I began to arrange into a book. Hi, I'm Ashton Gustafson, and you're listening to Let the Music Play podcast. Our guest today is Rob Bell, best-selling author, international teacher, and highly sought-after public speaker. Yeah, and so anyway, um, the, the just. The most beautiful part of that book, or one, I mean, it, it I underlined so much, but I just love the the one riff when you said, because sometimes you need a biologist, sometimes you need a poet, and sometimes you need a scientist, and sometimes you need a song. Can you riff on that for me? <laughs> I mean, it's like, it, it it's, it's so good. It's beautiful. I love it. Um, what was your hope there for that? Well, it's important there are multiple dimensions to the human experience. So science is awesome. And think about airports and hospitals and 10,000 songs in our pocket. 
the modern movement and the scientific revolution that built the modern world is extraordinary and new advances in medicine and we're sending things into space and it's unbelievable what this logical, rational, linear reasoning has done for making life better. And we'll continue to have new scientific discoveries and it'll continue to be awesome. The flip side is when your friend, uh, let me think, a couple months ago, a friend of mine killed himself. Mm. And another friend of mine texted and said, uh, Hunter killed himself last night. There's no algorithm for that. Mm-hmm. And when your sister has an eating disorder or when your business goes bankrupt, when your friend is doing another round of chemo, you need people to be with you. You need a poem. You need solidarity. You need a, uh, you need an ancient prayer that puts language to your disorientation. Yeah. And the problem for so many people in the modern world is logical reason, uh, rational thinking is so central and necessary for the human experience, but some things and some experiences exist in other categories. Yeah. They are transrational. Yeah. Something they leave the mind behind, they simply transcend simply the power of the mind. And traditionally, obviously, you had the tribal songs, you had religion, you had the cathedral, you had the liturgy, you had the rituals, you had ways of giving expression to loss, love, disorientation, tragedy, heartbreak, euphoria. Um, But for so many of those institutions that provided those spaces have failed us in some central way. And so what you have is a modern world that's more hungry than ever for space to grieve, to lament, to celebrate, to dance. And, uh, So that's what I was sort of getting at there was sometimes you need a scientist and sometimes you need a poet. And uh, sometimes you need, in in, in, uh, the ancient languages, they would refer to logos, Mm. like logic, reason, very specific, definitive language. But sometimes you need mythos. You need a story. You need uh, a fable. You need a metaphor. You need a simile. You need... Yeah, Some uh, poetic phrasing that somehow gives expression to what you're feeling. So good. I mean, it, yeah. it seems like the soul the soul does a lot better with metaphors than it does Excel spreadsheets. Yeah, different, different dimensions of human experience need different expressions. Yeah. And um, it's very popular now to sort of bash religion, which I get. It's very popular to say, that's all primitive and barbaric. Um, you know, look at all the extraordinary advances we've had. And uh, there's great truth in that. There's always great truth that we are human beings and we need... Well, I mean, like the Oscars last night are about storytelling. Yeah. How many of the people in the Oscars referred to... That's an entire industry built around telling stories because somehow telling stories does something good for us. It holds us together. It, it knits a certain unity among us. Yeah. And that's extremely important. Yeah. 
no doubt. So good. You've um, you've often described. Uh, so I had our good friend Richard Rohr on a couple weeks ago. Um, oh, and we goodness. just and we just riffed for an hour about true self, false self. It was unbelievable. Um, I love how you and and seeing the world through music is why this speaks so much to me. But you've described the true self as that bass, that bass note, that bass oh, rhythm oh, yeah. that never goes away, right? Yeah. Um, what what practices have you found useful in in keeping to keep finding that bass note and staying true to it? Because I feel like I feel like that's a huge dialogue for so many of us today. Is you know leaning in at the soul level, and yet it's hard, and yet and 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 you got to approach it. You know, sometimes there's so much fear there, and sometimes it always doesn't go your way. But like. How have you, because I know you've made changes over the years and you just keep going and keep pressing into your art and keep bringing new stuff into the world. What have you found useful to staying true to that bass note? Uh, man, lots of things. Um, I, noticed, I noticed that when I'm true to my path, it's tiring, but it's good tiring. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it's like a, when you're a kid, uh, a summer day exhausting. Yeah, when you fall into bed word. exhausted, but you're sweaty and bloody and dirty because you've um, had a blast playing outside all day. Yeah. So there's like this good tired, um, and then there's that other kind of tired that's drained. And the burnout. That something was taken out of us that wasn't in the larger flow of good in the world. And I just noticed over time there were certain things I would do. And whenever I would do them, I think that is, um, there's something about that that drains me at some level of the soul. Mm. And there were other things that were, took just as much energy, but left me in some way invigorated even when I was exhausted. That's good. So, uh, Sometimes people are spending a good chunk of the day, their day way outside of who they are and what they're here to do. And um, then I also noticed that over time, certain situations, I had uh, essentially a, some called a social self. I did what I did because I wanted others to think I was hardworking or smart or respectable, and I didn't want to let them down. Right. And that I would say yes to things simply because I didn't want to say no to that person because I didn't want, I was afraid, I had fear of what they would think. And when I began to stop caring so much what other people thought, I was so much happier. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. And as I became more attuned to, there's probably only a few things each of us can do, yeah. have space in our life for. Yeah. And uh, my therapist would talk about self-differentiation, the degree to which you can engage and still hold on to yourself. And I would, I would engage sometimes and lose myself. You're just doing this because you want this person to like you or to be happy, or to think positively about you. And uh, all of those 
helped me begin to realize, oh, there's like a path here. Mm. And when I step off it, there are certain things that always happen. And the more I can be aware of those and the more I can stay on the path and I can avoid some of those pitfalls. That's so good. And I always tell people like this is your, no one's ever tried you. Yeah. You're like a grand experiment in the history of the universe. Yes. So everybody is figuring it out as they go. Yeah. Oprah is figuring it out as she goes. Yeah. And there's often this illusion that, well, the smart people, the elite, the people with money, the people who are successful are somehow, they just figured it out and they're just, they're just wake up and it's all sorted. But everybody, wherever they are, is trying this. They're learning, oh, that didn't work. Oh, that was, oh man, that was a waste of money. Oh, that wasn't a good use of energy. You know what I mean? Like everybody has to know that wherever you are, whatever you're doing, no one has attempted you before. And you may have what's considered success in something, but all that's going to do is just raise another set of questions. There'll be new ways to muck it up. Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) So I just meet more people who have all sorts of guilt and shame because they didn't get it nailed the first time. Yeah. Um, But nobody does. Right. That's just, it's completely not how life works. One of the things that you really helped me walk through in one of your last... um, podcast, I can't remember, and I'm going to mess the verbiage up a little bit, but you basically were like, hey, if if you turn around and, and like you're on a path and no one's around you on that path, that's kind of the point because it's your path. <laughs> it, it, like, you know, you've got projects or you're doing things or you're writing things and you're bringing your creative self into the world and you turn around and you're like, well, I don't see anyone else doing this exactly because that's probably what you're supposed to be doing. Someone else isn't supposed to be doing this. Yes. That's so good. Yeah. There, yeah. And inno- innovation almost always, always has a, um, a dimension of loneliness to yeah. it. Yeah. Because if, if everybody was doing this, then it wouldn't be innovation. Wouldn't be original. Um, wouldn't be art. Yeah. So good. Um, what's keeping you curious? Any new books? Any ideas? What's what's stirring? Uh, Ro- what's stirring Rob Bell when he gets out of bed in the morning? Oh, it never stops. My <laughs> uh, my daughter's energy to make things. Uh, Friday, she went four hours on a project and then woke up early Saturday morning and just kept going. She's six years old. Wow. So that's just insanely inspiring. I just finished a novel called Shantaram, Shantaram. which it I don't even know. It's 930-something page novel. Oh, my gosh. About the Bombay, India underworld. I can't even believe that somebody made this book i just am it's just astonishing i love it to me and then i uh i'm gonna go surfing today at lunch and i'm uh whatever the ocean is doing yeah never ever ceases um to amaze me so i absolutely love going and getting in the ocean and then my 15 year old son is in a band uh, punk band. They played oh, show awesome. Friday night. Beautiful. Headline three bands. Beautiful. And um, he and I watching him 
do his 10,000 hours. Mm, yeah. And yeah. he had somebody over yesterday and they were writing songs and just watching him discover that there are, there's almost like a, a fork in the road and some kids um, make stuff. They yeah. figure out what they're going to give their energies to and other kids, it's basically when's the next party. Right. And he's like watching him sort of sort all that out. Those are all things happening all around me that I find endlessly fascinating. That's so good. I love that. Um, our kids teach us more than we could ever teach them sometimes, I think. Um, yep. What advice would you give to your younger self? I would say take better care of yourself. And there's no one to impress and there's nothing to prove. So relax and just do the work, but enjoy it. Yeah. And I would have said to my younger self, take a Sabbath every week. Mm. And I would have said to myself, uh, go surfing more. Yeah. And I would have said to myself, um, there's no rush. There's no rush. All there's left to do is enjoy. There's no rush. Yeah. So good. Um, so our podcast is just a metaphor of music, um, and I've been working on a book, and, and I define the music as the experience that is heard, felt, and seen, and the story that unfolds when one's divine identity, core consciousness, and God giftings come together, come alive, and crescendo in the universe we exist in. Um, yep, and, that's strong. And, and so... It music is always when a bunch of different things collectively become one great big one great big lovely thing. Um, so like the music basically it, it's your gift to the world, but it's also this thing that gets you out of bed each day. Um, what's the music you want to make and be remembered for? Uh, joy. That there is an engine of the universe. Joy. That there is something that spills over. I think joy is the, and and by joy, I don't mean like a sort of shallow, happy, everything's fine, because lots of things aren't fine. I mean by joy, those moments when you are in the flow of something deeper and wider and bigger and more transcendent than you and everybody seeing around you. Those moments when you feel as though you are caught up in something as wide as the universe that continues to move forward, that continues to self-transcend and move beyond itself. Mm. Somehow something within you has connected with something as big and wide as the universe. True. And I love the idea that the universe is an expression of joy. Yeah. That wow. joy is the overflow of, of something that cannot be contained, that it naturally expands and moves beyond itself hmm. and uh so the, honestly that's sort of what drives everything i do is if people have a bit more joy than than i did my job well well you're doing it man we're grateful for your work um that's beautiful thank you um the book comes out march 8th how to be here where can we get yeah. copies? I know I've, I've pre-ordered mine uh, on Audible and um, on Amazon, so I got it coming two ways. Uh, um, where can we get copies? 
That's very kind of you. Uh, there are some signed first editions at Barnes and Noble. Otherwise, wherever fine books are sold, um, and it will be out audio as well as written. And then I'll be out on tour and would love to um, come to everybody's city and we'll have a day together. It'll be fantastic. That's awesome. And the uh, tour dates are available at robbell.com. Robbell.com. And um, the Robcast, always bringing it. I mean, so good. I, I, I uh, <laughs> It's so good. Thank you. I know that takes time and energy. Um, but as a guy that drives a lot, it sure is uh, fun having you ride sh- having you ride shotgun with me. Good. I'll keep riding shotgun. <laughs> Beautiful. Great um, talking to you. It was awesome. Rob, thank you so much. Uh, on behalf of many of us, we're grateful for you and your work. And, oh, that's um, very kind of you. We will, uh, we will catch you down the road. Yes. Much love. Thank you. All right, my man. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye.